You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Bills picked up a much-needed win over the Saints on Thanksgiving, and that means it's time for my Buffalo Blues. What is up, everybody? And by everybody, I mean the handful of people that actually listen to this show. Happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope it went well for everyone out there. It did go well for the Bills as they picked up a 31-6 road win over the Saints. It's a big win despite the Saints not being anywhere near 100%. It was still an important win for the Bills. Especially, I think, on the offensive side of the ball. They had struggled a little bit over the past couple of weeks. Well, not against the Jets, but... In their losses, their offense had struggled in the last month. And, uh, I mean, even against Miami a couple of weeks ago, their first half wasn't spectacular. So it was nice to see them score in this game, to be honest. And, you know, I think a lot of people aren't going to look at what what the Bills, sorry, did on the ground in this game. But I like what I saw from the run game against a pretty good run defense. So that was a big sign uh, of hope moving forward. Devin Singletary ran the ball really well. Matt Breda came in. Didn't run exceptionally well, but played pretty well. Had uh, over 50, almost 60 total all-purpose yards and scored a touchdown. But it was uh, Singletary's running, even though his yards per carry weren't amazing. He had some really nice runs in this game. He ran hard and kind of was shifty enough to get some extra yardage and just keep motoring for a couple of first downs. So saw out of him what I think a lot of people want to see out of Zach Moss. And it says a lot that Moss was a healthy scratch <clears throat> Excuse me, in this game. And, you know... Unfortunately, the the big news coming out of this game is the season-ending ACL injury to Tredavious White. Uh, it sucks. It sucks big time. He's been having a great year. Uh, he's definitely one of the leaders on the team. And to see just like a non-contact injury like that, you know... It's never nice to see that happen to anybody. And, I mean, he was up and walking around on the sideline, so I think there was some hope that it wasn't going to be that bad at first. But, lo and behold, he goes to the doctor today, gets it looked at, and it is the ACL. He's done for the year. So, Dane Jackson had some issues replacing him, but also made some good plays. So the Bills are going to need their safeties to step up. It's going to be the Levi Wallace show at cornerback now. And Teron Johnson is going to have to play some 
exceptional Nickelback, which he has been over the past couple of seasons, and especially this year, he's played really well so far. So it's a huge blow to the Bills' defense. But I think they can manage as long as they continue to get pass pressure and uh, speed up the clock on some of these quarterbacks. You're still going to be able to see guys like Poyer and Micah Hyde have big days on the back end of that defense. You saw it in this game. Jordan Poyer had an interception. Um, So it was nice to see that. We also saw that uh, Isaiah McKenzie was, I think, I don't think he was playing in this game because I don't know if he was a healthy scratch or if he was injured in the last one, but we saw Stevenson come back and fill into those duties. And uh, he almost botched one there, but ended up not. And he showed that he can be a capable return man, given the opportunity. So the Bills are going to try him out at least for a little bit. And um, so let's take a look back at kind of how this game unfolded. You know, I got to, unfortunately, I had to pause this and watch uh, the end of it later and I was in the kitchen doing some dinner prep so I didn't get to watch like every single play of the first half um, but I saw the first couple of drives I saw it get to 10 nothing, and then I had some stuff that I had to handle in the kitchen timers going off all that good stuff so I was kind of like back and forth one eye on the TV one eye in the kitchen but the Bills' defense was playing really well in the first half. And you kind of had to expect this with both Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram both being out for this game. And I was surprised that Taysom Hill didn't play. Because if you're Sean Payton and you saw what happened in the Colts game, I figured you'd want to use Taysom Hill. Like, I am I, struggling to understand why Simeon is the guy. But that being said, like Trevor Simeon, regardless of the win-loss record, like he's played the position pretty damn well, all things considered. I mean, if you go back and look at like his all his games coming into this game, he's played really well. Um, he's thrown some picks and stuff, but like his completion rate is pretty good. Uh, he's thrown some touchdowns. He's kept them in these games, so I don't think you could really be mad at him for how he's played. And it's a good sign for the Bills defense that they were able to basically completely shut him down. Um, If they weren't able to do that, I would have been very concerned. And I kind of just expected Sean Payton to approach the game a little differently. And in this game, like, you know, Simeon went 17 of 29 for 163 with a touchdown and a pick and... The pick was late when they're down. He's trying to make it happen. So it wasn't a it wasn't a great read because he didn't see Poyer coming over to make that play. But he's trying to go downfield and make something happen. And like they're already losing the game at that point. So it's not this like critical interception. But the Bills defense did a really good job despite not um, necessarily like racking up the sack totals on him. They were in his face, similar to the Jets game where they were getting a lot of pressure in the backfield. Uh, They ended up having four tackles for losses. They only sacked Simeon twice, but they were in his face, speeding up the clock 
like uh, I had mentioned earlier. So that's a really good sign for the defense. You got Tremaine Edmonds back. He played a great game. Uh, he had eight tackles. Him and Milano, both in the middle of that defense, I think, committed really to shutting down whatever run game the Saints were going to try to bring to him. And the Saints still ran the ball 25 times, despite really not getting anything out of it. They they had 25 carries for 44 yards. So with that kind of commitment to the run game and the complete inability to do anything, you think they would have maybe opened up the passing game a little bit. You think they would have brought Taysom Hill in here? They just re-signed him to a four-year deal. Uh, you know, they gave him a new extension. Because obviously they're not 100% sold on what their current quarterback situation is. But I think what we saw on that Thanksgiving evening was that that game was much more important to the Bills than it was to the Saints. And Buffalo came out and played fast and they played aggressive and they played like they had something to prove and... For the most part, they proved it because despite the Saints' offense being fairly crippled, their defense is still pretty good, and what the Bills did to their defense was impressive. I mean, Josh Allen was 23 of 28 for 260 and four touchdowns, um, and yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the picks. Uh, you know, he got hit on one, and the ball just kind of, you know, floated out there when he got hit. And I don't know who it was, but the Saints defender came up with a, a really nice interception on that one. Um, diving to make the, the pick before the ball hit the ground. So really like was borderline about to be an incompletion on a play where uh, Allen was getting hit. And then the one to Diggs, I believe it was uh, before that, actually. That one I didn't like um, because we had heard in the press conference or in the yeah not the press conference but uh I guess just the pregame presser where I think someone had asked Stefan Diggs about forcing the ball to him and you know a lot of people are like yeah throwing the ball 20 times and you know I, I definitely want him to get his targets for sure um and he got him in this game but I didn't like the use of the word force the ball to him because we saw last week that uh, forcing the ball is not a great idea. So I don't I don't like that verbiage. I don't like that mentality of like, even if he's not open, throwing the ball because that's what happened on this play. Uh, he wanted to get Diggs the ball here. Um, he threw it behind him. So I don't know if they weren't on the same page or, you know, maybe Dig showed him something that wasn't there. I don't know. I, I have to go back and watch it more closely, but it just seemed like Roby kind of knew where the ball go was going and Diggs didn't. So that's a situation where I don't like forcing the ball there. Um, other than that, you know, I think Josh played really well. Uh... I think the whole team, like, just kind of, they knew they had to get this one. Um, it wasn't a throwaway game for them at all, especially with the Patriots kind of breathing down their necks now. 
And looking at the other interception that he threw, it was a, what was it? Ineligible man downfield that took the touchdown off the board uh, to Dawson Knox. And I think we saw this in the Colts game too, where there was a procedural penalty, like a false start. And then there was a holding play that took the Bills out of scoring range. And then Allen tried to force a throw and got picked when they were down early in that first quarter. And so now this was ineligible on uh, Ike Butker. And, you know, next play is an interception. So, you know, we keep seeing this trend of, unfortunately, the Bills' offensive line mistakes becoming very, very costly. Um, And in this game, it didn't end up mattering, but those are the kind of penalties that'll kill you. And let me see. Neither of these teams were really penalized that much in this game. I mean, they combined for eight penalties, which it seems like by NFL standards, like that's basically a zero penalty kind of game. Uh, but overall, like I don't, I don't have anything really bad to say about how the Bills performed. You got uh, Mario Addison played really well in his matchups. You know, I think. I was hearing rumors about a, you know, players only meeting happening after that loss to the Saints. And you have to have the guys like Addison and uh, Jerry Hughes and the other guys who have been around this league for a long time to really get in there and light a fire under this team to get them to play with the right kind of attitude. Um, And I think we saw the fruits of that kind of accountability on the field. And I think there was a play in the game where the Bills, I mean, I know there was, but I don't remember exactly what situation it was in. If I can find it while I'm sitting here, I will definitely get back to it. But there was a, there was a possession where they went for it on fourth down and I think they were in field goal range. But they opted to go for it? Maybe not. I don't see it on the... I don't see it on the play sheet, but... um, I know they wanted to go for it. They wanted to stay aggressive. And maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, It's quite possible. It's been a long couple days. I'm still loaded down with tryptophan from that turkey. So I'm half asleep as I'm doing this. But I still wanted to hop on and give the Bills credit for a game well played. A game that they needed for sure going into the Monday night game with New England. And despite the Saints not being at 100%, despite them missing both of their best uh, running backs, Sean Payton knows how to coach. He's one of the best coaches in the league. He almost always finds a way to give his team a chance. I mean, even if you look at the Titans game, they almost won that game. You look at the Philadelphia game last week, they were down, I believe, 33-7 at one point, and they came back, and I think the final score was like 40-29. to But yeah, they were, you know, they were dead late in that game, and they made Philadelphia have to work to win it in the fourth quarter. So I'm never going to count out Sean Payton coming up with something, but... 
I did end up picking the Bills to cover in this game, and they were, I think, six-point favorites when it closed. And I was a little hesitant because of what I saw last week, but with the Saints offense being depleted and knowing that the Bills defense had just gotten kind of lit up the week before, I I, I knew that they were going to come out and make it a very difficult game for the Saints and Tremaine Edmonds being back was huge uh, in terms of how they shut down the run angles. And speaking of run angles, while we're at it, um, I was finally just like watching like a frame by frame. I had the game paused and so I was going through it frame by frame on one of these single back handoff stretch plays that I've spoken about in the past that I've pointed out in uh, the print version of this that when the Bills line up in these single back formations and they run stretch plays they are getting killed to the edge and they almost never gain any yards on it and so one of these one of these plays was a two tight end set where uh, you had Sweeney and Knox on one side and Diggs and Sanders lined up as the the twin receivers on the other side. And so this is just a hard stretch handoff to the tight end side. And the Saints are in a uh, like a ghost cover one, but from a base formation. So they have it's a four three with a safety in the box. So they basically have eight guys in the box and the safety is watching the uh, what would be like the slot receiver in this equation. So he's watching, I think it was Diggs on the inside. And as soon as Allen turns around and they see the play going that direction, like all the linebackers key to the sideline and the Bills blockers that are responsible for getting upfield and getting position on those guys, like they're already beat. So Singletary doesn't even have the ball at this point by the time that those blocks are already not made. So you've got all three of the linebackers getting to the spot before Singletary gets there. And he really has no choice but to like try and cut that back inside. But by the time he gets the ball, like there's nowhere for him to go. And that play just gets swallowed up. And so there's something about those particular plays where they're just telegraphing it. So maybe that's coming from the defensive coordinators uh, upstairs where they see this personnel grouping and they see the formation on the field and they're just telling their linebackers, like if he turns around, you know where this play is going and just go get it. So it's definitely a personnel issue, but I would like to see the Bills uh, throw more out of that two tight end set. Not even necessarily play action, although that might be nice. Like use those stretch plays that the linebackers like to key on and play action to the receiver side. Like you get eight guys in the box. That means you're going to have some looks to your two receivers on the other side. And you're going to be able to maybe run a delay to one of those tight ends or a, a drag play or something underneath. And you could even, uh, you know, create a delay uh, screen pass there. So there's some stuff that they can do with that. But whatever that stretch play is that they are currently running is getting blown up every time and they're not gaining any yards. But as a whole, uh, they ran for a hundred and thirteen yards as a team. Allen accounted for 43 of those. Uh, so it was really 70 yards between Singletary and Breda on 24 carries. Not super duper effective or 
not super efficient rushing yards, but effective in uh, balance and in forcing defenders into the box because it allowed Allen to go 23 to 28. You know, super efficient day for him at the office. He only got sacked twice. But there was a there was a play where they were spread out really wide, where it was like a three wide receiver set with Knox uh, on Allen's left uh, in shotgun. And they snap it, and they're using like the sky cam. And Knox is going over the middle. And that's really the only place for Allen to go with the ball. But none of the other guys are even on camera. So you have one, you know, interior crossing route. But then, you know, he's getting maybe 10 yards upfield. And there's so much open space, but you don't have either of your other receivers on the outside um, taking advantage of any of this free space underneath. I think they were both running uh, like deep leveled out routes to the sideline. So everything was designed for Allen to be rolling right, I think. And he just had to get rid of the ball a little bit uh, more quickly than that. But that's a situation where uh, just based on the read the defense is giving you, like you've got to change one of those outside routes to help out on the inside. Um, Cause I think they were showing like a corner or a safety blitz coming off the right side. And I don't know, maybe just Allen's not there yet in terms of his total control of the offense. Uh, and it ended up not being like a disastrous play, but it was just something that was curious to me that the bills had designed these particular plays that against the defense that they saw had a ton of open space over the middle of the field, but only one guy uh, anywhere near the middle of the field. So that's probably something that they're going to look at, at in a film study before they go into this New England game. Uh, Matt Breda scored again. Uh, his the screen pit, the screen play that he caught and ran with was just fantastic. Like. His patience and his vision and his ability to utilize the blocking was spectacular. Like, he knows how fast he is and he understands how to get to his gears. So he just sat down behind the lineman, kind of positioned himself to as soon as the window opened, he could cut through it. And he took what looked like was going to be a small gain and took it to the house for 23 yards. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of Breda. He still got out-touched by Singletary, but he had uh, more targets out of the backfield, and they healthy scratch Zach Moss, so you've got to think that uh, Breda is going to be the guy. He might be the guy already. I do really like the way Singletary, Singletary ran in this game, though. I don't want to take that away from him. He was fighting for hard yards, kept the legs churning. He was able to, you know, create some small cutbacks uh, on some of those shorter, like four or five yard runs and then hit the next level with power so that he turned a couple of short gains into slightly longer gains. Like, you know, not, not an eye popping kind of a day for him, but had some really nice runs in there. And I hope that doesn't get lost in the shuffle of the Matt Breda madness. I do want to see more Breda. He might even be the number one now, but for the kind of uh, running that Singletary did, that's not Breda's style. So they're going to have to have some combination of the two of those. 
but it worked really effectively in this game. So credit to both of those guys. Credit to Brian Dable for, you know, working those wrinkles out. Um, sorry to Zach Moss, but it is what it is. You know, I said I didn't want to see him in those passing formations where he's the delay route. And I, I didn't like seeing him as the escape hatch on some of those passing plays because they just, he dropped a ton of them. And maybe they didn't count his drops. Maybe Allen's not the most accurate to him on those, but I've seen way too many this season where it could be just a short gain going to him and the ball hits him in one hand and he drops it. Um, I've seen it way too many times. So I was just, I was over it. And I think everybody else was over it too. And we saw that out there on uh, Thanksgiving night. So <sighs> I don't know what else to say. It was a good one. Uh, it definitely was a nice nightcap to Thanksgiving overall. I missed the majority of that afternoon game between the Raiders and the Cowboys. But uh, I kind of followed along while I wasn't able to watch the TV and it's a little jealous that I didn't get to watch that game. Uh, but yeah, the Raiders, you just never know. They're the hardest team to predict in the league right now. Them and the Vikings. Just like, they can beat anybody, but they can also lose very easily. So, be curious to see if the Raiders end up, you know, leveraging that win into a playoff push. Maybe they finally put all their offseason stuff behind them. But anyway, I digress. Go Bills. Um, they're going to have a nice long, was it like nine days, I think, before they run into that uh, New England game. And just so I'm not completely off base, that game is taking place on Monday night, and it is in Buffalo. So you got the division at stake, you know, uh, next week. And it's a must-win game for the Bills, really. Um, it would be not disastrous, but hugely disheartening for them to work so hard to finally wrestle control the division away from the Patriots just to give it back to them within one season. Uh, so the Bills are going to have to spend the next nine days figuring out some, I think, coverage packages and some disguise looks to confuse Mac Jones because without Trey White out there you can't really just play like you're going to take away one side of the field I mean he's been so good this year that's basically what it's been so the Bills are going to have to probably play a lot of man against uh, New England and then strategically put some zone in there they're going to have to tackle really well because Jones likes to throw a lot of passes around and behind the line of scrimmage and just let his guys do the rest of the work. And, you know, it gives him a lot of confidence. You know, they always call those like confidence boosters when your quarterback's struggling. Like, let him make some completions that are short, get him in rhythm, and then start taking your shots downfield. And that's kind of just what the whole Patriots offense is right now is just rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. They run the ball well. They're playing good defense. Uh... That's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a really tough game. And the Bills just better be ready. So they better enjoy their uh, Thanksgiving evening. Shitty news about Trey White. He's not going to listen to this, but we're all wishing Trey the best. And 
can't wait to see him back on the field next season. Those ACL injuries just freaking suck. And to everybody that's listening, to everybody who's not, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, take care. We'll uh, be back with the Pick'em Show tomorrow. And uh, if you only listen to this show, then we'll, you, I'll be on it uh, Tuesday after the Monday night game. So, all right, everybody. Be safe. Take care. Bye. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help. So if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Scheiss Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills. Bills.